This is the Freestyle Way. How are you, my friend? It's great to see you. I'm doing great. It's great to see you, Carl. Yeah, we, you know, when we saw you, Tanya and I, when we saw you a few weeks ago at the breakdancing event, uh, we both left, and when we got in the car, we looked at each other, and we were like, how about Chuck reverse aging? If we you could tell you me how to do that, good. that'd be great. It's, well, you 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 look great, and I thought, wow, time does not pass for Chuck, and uh, I just felt compelled to reaching out again and seeing if you wanted to talk on the podcast. And I, that's great. You know, I have my my sort of theory on this is that you have to do um, what 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 do we know about aging research? Right you you have to do intense physical exercise that requires complex coordination. Some people like just play table tennis, but I don't know how to play table tennis. So, you know, that I, my dad played table tennis, you know, and he said that's when we played in, you know, we were in the military. We played, ta- but you know, that that's the, you know, so I've been doing this stuff for a long time. It's good stuff. It was great to see you and Tanya and the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, Chuck, ever since I met you, which I want to say it's been, we probably met in 2004, 2005. Yeah, that's about right. That's about yeah. right. About At Acro Sports. Yeah. And it's incredible. I actually may have been at Stanford. It may have. Because you uh, used to bring your guys down to Stanford to do gymnastics with us, right? You were, very, you were right. very good. They were talented. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, so I guess I guess that's where we, we met and how we got started. Um, but you have a completely different background than gymnastics and sport, uh, but you're very well versed in the modality of gymnastics. Can you just tell us in a nutshell, what is it that you do? Uh, yeah, what, what does Chuck do? Oh, in the real world. Well, the, I, have a PhD the real world. In, I have a PhD in theoretical chemistry and physics. So I, yeah, I work in the tech industry like half the people here in the Bay Area. Um, I've been doing a lot of work, consulting work in AI. But I also work with um, the Page family office, like Carl uh, Larry Page. Mm-hmm. So his brother has, uh, they runs at uh, Climate Change Institute. And I do some consulting work for them on things like nuclear physics, quantum computing, that kind of stuff, just to kind of, help them out with some of their efforts. And uh, the, the big thing we're trying to do is promote nuclear power. Okay. So I try to help them out with that kind of stuff. So just basic consulting. I do a lot of AI work. And I do um, uh, the past six months or a year or so, I've been mostly focused on putting together an AI product. So yeah. I've just sort of turned down the consulting a little bit. I've just been trying to build a product out. So, you know, and, super and- nerdy technical stuff that, you know, you would find in the Bay Area. Yeah, totally. And is this Weight Watcher uh, AI? Weight Watcher AI, yes. Can you Weight talk Watcher to us AI. about Weight, Weight, Weight Watcher AI? What is this thing? What, where does this come from, and where is it you know, going? You know, I, I'll tell you how it, how it got started. It was It's really you, because you had started this blog and podcast years ago in CrossFit, you know, teaching CrossFitters gymnastics. I thought that was just great. I need to start a, I need to start a, a, a blog. So I started, like, just, I used to do theoretical physics, so I started, like, writing a blog on theoretical physics, and I was just, you know, random things, right? Like really, you know, pretty, pretty, um, I look back at some of the old posts and we were pretty awful. I mean, you know, just basic <laughs> stuff, right? Um, and then, uh, you know, I sort of started doing more of this. I started going to conferences and I met an old friend of mine who was at UC Berkeley and we got to talking about some of the things going on in AI and why these things work. And there's all this AI stuff is out ever. You, I mean, you see now with chat GPT and stable diffusion. I mean, eventually there'll be like probably AI gymnastics coach. Mm-hmm. You know, something like this. It's everywhere. And we, you know, I did this stuff back in the 90s when I was in school. And it sort of died out. It came back. And we were talking, you know, I, I, we should try to figure out why this stuff works. Nobody knows why it works. 
Like it's amazing. It works. It does amazing things. No one really understands why it works. So I started thinking about this and working on the blog. And then we started writing papers and doing research. And then I, we published in nature, which is like a famous journal. I've been doing this all my spare time, you know, like, you know, sitting in my, and then of course the pandemic hit. So I had nothing to do, you know, I'm like trapped in my house. Uh, and I just started working more and more on it. And now I've got it to a point where I think we might be able to turn into a startup and I'm trying to, um, see if I can develop into a product people might want. So I'm sort of in that early, I have an idea, I have research, I'm trying to figure out whether it's useful for anybody. Mm-hmm. And if it's not useful, I'll probably end up coaching children to trampoline. But if, if it is, then I'll be able to, you know, so that's, that's what I'm doing. And I've been doing this, and I'm lucky enough that I have support from you know, the Page family who, you know, because I, I do consulting work, so I'm able to support my research for my consulting work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, right. So that's what I've been doing for the past, you know, year or so. Just trying, you know, during the pandemic, on for a while, then trying to, and and the idea is, it's a tool which lets you try to understand. It's it's like a a microscope for these AI models, and it lets you peek inside. The AI models have something called weight matrices. There are a bunch of layers, and every layer has a weight matrix. So it lets you watch the weight matrix to figure out whether the model is breaking or not. Hmm. That's why and, it's called Weight Watcher. It, it Not because I'm overweight, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're, you're oh. just an S away from being Weight Watchers. Uh, yeah, right? Yeah, it's a great... And, and the idea is that, you know, somebody makes a model, and the way they make AI models now is very much brute force. They just try everything. They just... They spool up a thousand computers, and they try tweaking all these parameters, and you try to get something that works, and if you find something that works, it works. And you're not really sure... If it's if it breaks and when it breaks and it might break in random places and if you've tried using any of these models like ChatGPT, you know it you know it lies to you, you know it'll tell you stuff and then it just makes stuff up. Um, and you know with those we don't nobody understands like why these things work. If you don't understand why they work, there's no way you're going to be able to be able to build them in any efficient way. Mm-hmm. So I think it's sort of now sort of where the. Uh, the steam engine was where people built steam engines and they, you know, went across the world and built steam locomotives, but nobody understood thermodynamics or physics. None of that existed. So we're trying to figure out why these things work so we can make a tools that we can sell to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally and hear that's that. that's the idea. I, I love it. And th- one of the reasons I want to talk to you is uh, not only because you're a genius, uh, but also because you, when you speak of things, it's inevitable to kind of fall in love with what you're saying because you have a deep passion for everything that you like. <laughs> well, you got to do what you love, you know, you only love once. Exactly. And every time I'm around you, I'm like, wow, who is Chuck? I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> who's this, well, this guy? This is why you come to California, why people come to San Francisco. You know, when I'm back in Columbus, when I, I grew up in Ohio and went to school in Chicago, everything is very negative. Oh, I want to do this. No, you can't do that. That's not going to work. There's an excuse for this. Ah, you know, everyone has an excuse for something. I, I just, you know, all right, I just go somewhere where people are doing things and just do it. And that's it. You know, you maybe you'll fail. Okay. Okay, you fail, you know. <laughs> but, you know, that's why we come out here is because the rest of the, you know, other places, you know, you have to get away from that negativity and go someplace where everybody is doing things. Mm-hmm. That's why I say your blog, like I said, well, Carl's doing this. This blog, he's teaching people gymnastics. You know, I should do something. Uh-huh. So I just started, you know, plugging away at it. And I think, you know, it's just, you just do it, you know, and maybe something will come out of it, maybe it won't. But you just keep, you know, plugging away at it. 
Mm-hmm, exactly. Let's talk about AI for a little bit. When did you first uh, learn about AI and uh, where do you see it going at the moment? Where Where are we in the arc of its progression? I, you know, I'll tell you how I got interested in it. I used to do, you know, I was doing like a, we had a college club doing gymnastics. And, you know, you try to learn skills. How do I learn a branny? Okay. Well, I always had the twisties. You know, I just go crazy and I just, you know, I try to kill myself. You know, you, you try to make your twisties, you, know, you try to flip, for people who don't know, you try to flip and twist, instead of flipping first and then twisting, you twist first and then flip, which is very dangerous. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, and you just like, why is it, I tell my body to do something and my brain does something else. And I just go crazy, you know, you try to figure stuff out. And you, realize, you know, I, and, and there was a guy at the university who was a friend of my grad, I was doing a, I was a PhD work at Chicago, and there was a fellow there who was an expert in, trying to understand mathematical models of neurochemistry. And he was a friend of my advisor, and we talked, I said, you know, like, when I finished getting this PhD thing, I'm going to go see if I can work at AI and, you know, do, like, some postdoctoral work, you know, and, and try to understand it. And so back in the 90s, people were doing this, and I got involved in it. And I was still doing gymnastics back then, you know, like, like four hours a day of that stuff. And, you know, I was really into it. And that, that was sort of how I got interested in it. And, you know, I come from like a mathematical physics chemistry background. You know, like how do you make models of how neurons work? That, that's where this stuff comes from. And people have been doing this for, yeah, I mean, since the 60s, the 70s, trying to figure this out. And I, I think what's happened in the past 10 years is that all of a sudden people realized like this stuff really works. And there were people like Elon Musk um, and some others who, uh, Peter Thiel, who were willing to put literally billions of dollars of money, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, or probably a billion dollars or more into research to figure out how to make this stuff work. And so you've got thousands of people, you know, everyone in the Bay Area, if you go to Starbucks, you know, you'll be five guys sitting at the dead, all doing AI, and they're all doing it here. Um, and so you have so many people working on it, they've sort of figured out how to make a simple model that can mimic some of how we learn. And, and these were models that were based on old mathematical physics models from the 90s, and they sort of died, it came back, and now we're at a state where the, you know, there's been so much money and so much, so many people working on it that we've just made these huge advances. And so we're at a, we're at a point now where, you know, one of the guys, like, uh, I'll give you an example of the kind of stuff you can do. Uh, I've been involved in doing Olympic weightlifting. I got involved in CrossFit, but... Um, I realized I need to do more Olympic weightlifting. So I started doing Olympic weightlifting. And we have, you know, we have like a program. You get a program, the coach writes you a program, do some snatches, do some clean and jerks, do some pulls, do some squats. So you can go to this thing called ChatGPT and you can go write me a program for Olympic weightlifting. And it will write you a program. Write me a program in the style of this coach. Write me a program in the style of this coach, given that I'm 25 years old and I want to gain, you know. And it does it. And it's actually pretty good. That's amazing. So we're, we're at the point now, I think, where you're going to have these assistants that like calculators on steroids, just just like, you know, and, and they'll be able to assist you doing things and will reduce some of the cognitive load that you have to do, mm-hmm. especially in writing, drafting contracts, writing emails. Um, you know, they're not perfect. They make a lot of mistakes. So you still need to get involved. The human needs to still be there, but that that's that's here now. 
Right? Yeah, I hey. I use ChatGPT every day. I've used it to review a contract. I've used it to do bookkeeping. I've used it to uh, create a framework uh, for something I'm going to write. I have uh, taken transcripts, uh, created summaries or structures for summaries. Uh, I, I use it every single day. And something that I've become fascinated with is this idea of just prompt engineering and how, how and I guess this is a thing now, right? It's like prompt oh, it's huge, engineering. Yeah. <laughs> but this is something that you've probably done your whole life. Well, I, I, you know, this is, it's new. I mean, what's happened is that, uh, it's funny, there's a guy in our gym who's a weightlifter. He's um, very strong. Uh, you actually might know his uh, girlfriend, Alex, who was, um, uh, she's an international level weightlifter, who's also a, a circus performer. Okay, what, what's and, the last name? Alex, um, uh, give me a second. It's uh, okay, we'll, we'll figure it out. It, Alex. She's, I, I, I call her Irish Alex. Um, it'll come back. Uh, uh, Craig, Alex Craig. Um, Rings a bell. She, don't, she used don't to train know. over at the circus center. Okay. Um, so she's, what Patrick has just been, he stays up all night doing prompt engineering. I mean, like he's been up all night doing it, you know, like, really? No, what, what's happened is that they have this very simple model, this very simple mathematical model, uh, you know, AI type model. It's like 100, 200 lines of software. It's not like a million lines of code, right? But it turns out the more data you feed this thing, the smarter it gets. And what they've discovered is that if you just put in more and more data and you train it and you make it bigger, you make it bigger and bigger and bigger, and you put more data in, all these properties are emerging that it appears to have the cognitive ability of a small child. And it's very scary because, I mean, you, you can measure, like if you go to a psychologist uh, at Stanford and they have these various cognitive tests they'll give children. You, you, you have a little kid. Mm -hmm. they, uh, over time, they pick up certain, they're able to do certain things. And they, they run the tests on ChatGPT, the, the newer, the more sophisticated version. They find that, well, this thing can actually pass a lot of these tests. Yeah. And it turns out it couldn't pass it last year, but the new models can. And the bigger they get, the better. And these properties just seem to emerge naturally. And yeah. nobody knows why they emerge. And of course, it makes a lot of mistakes. And nobody knows whether the mistakes are fixable. Like some people say, well, we'll always make mistakes. It, there's not fixed all the oh we'll find a way to fix right it, nobody knows wait so but, you're, say, um, you're you're saying that these properties that are emerging from ai they're not new lines of code that you can see no no what do you uh, totally, explain that what does this mean so what they have is a, a very simple model it's called a transformer and it's just a mo like a simple mathematical model which sort of mimics the way neurons work okay it, it's designed to mimic some basic neurochemistry like a mathematical thing. It's uses a little um, college level linear algebra. It's not particularly complicated. The reason it works, of course, because there's there's thousands of engineers who have written all this software and developed all these computer chips that can run it. And at this point, you know, the the software is so advanced, you could write this model. You know, it would take you a day to read the code. It's a couple hundred lines of code. Not not particularly complicated. But if you, you stack them up, so you, you take these transformers and they're like little neuron emulators and you stack them up and you make big, big models which contain maybe a thousand layers. Like some of the models I'm looking at today, they're like a thousand layers. Mm -hmm. So then you train it and maybe the ones, I don't know, nobody knows like how big the ones are at OpenAI or Google. They could have you know, 10,000 layers. And they just can make them bigger and bigger and bigger. 
And then you just put in more data. And then what they're doing is you, you then have it interact with a human and you, you will ask it a question and the human, it gives an answer and the human judges, is that correct or not correct? And then uh -huh. the human can give a response and then they do. And you, maybe you'll train it on like 50,000, you'll give it 50,000 questions and you'll have a human interact with it just to sort of teach it the way, you know, a teacher would teach a child. You this, yes, no, this is a correction. It's called reinforcement learning with human reinforcement learning with human feedback. I believe that R I always get re, you know, reinforcement learning with human labeling, excuse me, mm -hmm. R L H L reinforcement learning with human labeling. So the idea is you're trying to get it to mimic the response of a human. Well, it turns out that when you do this, the thing is able to learn. It, it's somehow these properties just emerge. So the fact that it can, it can read a contract and draft a contract. It wasn't specifically trained to draft contracts. Now it might've interacted with a lawyer and the lawyer might've, it may have asked some basic questions and the lawyer answered it, but it wasn't like it was specifically designed to do that. It just sort of emerged. Wow. Which is crazy. Yeah. No, and nobody knows like, like at part of my own research is sort of theories from physics of, we sort of expect these emergent properties and there's some reasons for this, but this is just sort of happening and it just sort of happened the past few years these properties started emerging and it turns out you just give it more compute time you give it more more data and it's and you know it the, the other thing this is a point made by paul graham sort of a famous entrepreneur investor out here he said you know unlike what what makes this technology so amazing is that it scales with money linearly the more money you put in the more powerful it gets. The average organization doesn't scale like that. You know, you put money in and you need people to do the work and people are hard to deal with, you know, they, mm -hmm. you know, they argue, you know, not everyone's aligned and not, and it, you know, usually it doesn't scale that easily. You know, you might have 10,000 employees and only a hundred of them are really super performant, but it turns out that these, and you know, it's just very hard. Humans are slow, but this thing, the more you put in, it just, the more you put in, the more you get out. And so they just keep pouring in more and more data and more and more compute power. And these mm. properties are emerging and, and it's pretty wild, huh? It's it's super wild. And is is this one of the reasons why somebody like Elon Musk is uh, advising people to be uh, very cautious when it comes to the, the development of AI because there are properties that are emerging that are out of our control? Yeah, I think so. It's very, there are a lot of, because it could be widely misused. Um, certainly in a, you know, Elon Musk is very, you know, the way he said it was a reason he took over Twitter. You know, we, you know, we live in San Francisco. You, you used mm -hmm. to live here, you know, it's a little, yeah. uh, it's a little kooky, right? It's crazy. <laughs> so that's fine. But you know, you can't let these people run society and you can't give them all your money. You know, like these guys running FTX, you saw that, you know, the mm -hmm. guys living in a commune. I'm like, uh, you know, our way go, well, back in the sixties, people lived in communes and go, yeah, but you wouldn't give them your life savings. Right. You know, <laughs> one of the, you know, they're. Those aren't the people you, you give $3 billion to. Well, you know, the, this sort of, he came in and said, look, there's a lot of political turmoil and censorship. And, you know, you can't have one company or one group of people deciding what is information. That's very, very dangerous. Um, you know, cause they're going to make, you know, they're sort of their own eclectic, goofy ideas. You, you know, you have to have freedom of speech. You have to have freedom of thought. People have to be able to express and share ideas. 
otherwise, you know, things can get very, very, things can go south very quickly. Um, and that's one of the big concerns is that when you, inter you know, you'll, you interact with this thing and it has a certain opinion and no other opinion is allowed. Mm -hmm. That That's not good. You know, that, that doesn't lead to good, you know, because nobody's right about everything. Right. And that can lead. And so he's very concerned about that. But I, I think there are also, you know, real concerns now from a military perspective. You know, I mean, we're in this crazy war now, you mm -hmm. know, in Ukraine. And, you know, this technology can be used in a military way. It can be used not only to build weapon systems, uh, because not, not only is the language part of AI good, but the visuals part is now very good. And the robotic controls are very good. So you have robots now that can, you know, you can tell the robot, tie a shoe, cook an egg, you know, peel an egg, um, you know, draw a picture. And you just say that and it can do it. So you can imagine these things in the, in the battlefield, in the war mm -hmm. field, could be very, very dangerous. Um, and, and then there's also just more the, the more general concern, like, where's the technology going? Like, will this thing actually start you know, if it gets loose and start doing things, uh, I, I think mm -hmm. there is an example of what what are the you know you have these these captchas that you have. You know, if you try to log into somebody's account, you have to prove you're not a robot, right? So the a the, the somebody trained somebody used ChatGPT to go out and find someone on the internet, talk to them, convince them that it were a human, but they were blind and couldn't do the captcha and do the captcha for them. And so it's, it's just amazing what it can do, and yeah. so it's 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 a little scary. It is scary. And do you know by any chance how it works with different organizations or companies running their own AI program? So, like for example, Microsoft or Bing, uh, Google, and then Open Open AI. Uh, do they communicate with each other, or is it completely separate programs? Um, uh, well, how I, does I, that work? You know, they hire students, right? A lot of the research is going on in in university. You know, they hire students. And of course, they try to hire from each other. So what's happening is that I don't think they direct. There are conferences, and people have conferences. And they talk about like there are conferences you present your research. So they're they're willing to show some of what they're doing. Um, but there's also just cross pollination being in the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. You know, there are you know just because you know everybody, so people sort of talk to each other even if there's no formal discussion. And that that's one of the things they don't like, right? They try to. That's why you eat lunch at the company and they don't want you, you know, they don't want people going to, I don't want people going to a CrossFit gym and talking to other people because, you know, they, that's what happens is engineers talk, you know, they're nerds talk to each other. Totally. Yeah. They, I, 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 I they talk about nerdy, I, so talk about nerdy stuff. What else are we going to talk about? Exactly. So, yeah, but that, that's what's going on. And, and so <laughs> they try to keep things close to the vest, but, you know, people move around. Um, you know, there was a big lawsuit against, um, Apple and Google a few years ago, maybe 10 years ago, they, the government came in and said, look, you, you can't stop. They were trying to, they had this, this agreement that they weren't going to hire each other's employees. Well, that's illegal. You know, mm -hmm. That's both federal and state crime. And they had to pay like a $500 million fine. Um, cause you're not supposed to do that. You know, you can go and, you know, in California, there are no, and this is special about California. Unlike anywhere else, there's no non-compete law. So if I go work at Apple and I want to go work at Google, Apple can't stop me. There's nowhere else in the country where they have laws like that. Mm -hmm. You know, if you work at Apple, you can't go work at a competitor. But here in California, you can. And so that, I think, creates a lot of cross-pollination. The other thing that's happening is that people are leaving to do their own startups. Mm -hmm. 
right? So like I'm at, I'm at Google and I'm, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, yesterday. He's like, you know, I'm, I'm at Microsoft. I was at Meta. I was running a group at Meta and we had a chatbot. And one of the people on my team wanted to create a chatbot and Meta didn't want to do it. So you know, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm going to go to Microsoft. So he left. I, I can't, you know, but like normally that person would quit, go get venture capital and do it themselves. So a lot of that is happening. You know, mm -hmm. people who, if you can't get things done, you just go and start a company. Right. So that there's makes sense. a lot of formal enforce, a lot of cross pollination here. Yeah. And, and you, you, you run pretty much independently right now. So you're, you do your own thing. Yeah. I'm kind of like in stealth, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, I'm, and, I'm out there, but I'm not trying to, you know, I'm kind of out there, but nobody's really paying attention. So I'm just kind of, kind of coasting, waiting to try to get this thing done. I'm very, you know, it's, it's coming along. Yeah. And w why have you opted for that route? Well, I kind of fell into it, you know, like, like I worked for, I, I, I started doing this research on my own and, you know, it just sort of took off and I said, you know, I, and so I've been, you know, you, at some point I've got, if I want to really get the thing off the ground, I'll probably have to raise some funding, mm -hmm. but you know, yeah, there's a, there is a sort of a zero to one problem you have. You have to show that you have something and that you can, um, convince other and, and you find other people want it and i'm sort of in this very unique situation because i have this consulting work and i you know i work with the page family so they you know i'm able to just support myself by doing this which most people would not be able to do exactly and you you live it yeah you, you you live in an expensive city expensive area so of course uh, it's it's very interesting now back to ai I mean, you can't do it anywhere else you know i mean it, i could go back to ohio and not spend any money but like you know, they, they see, you know, like everyone here is doing something. <laughs> so you got to just be that. You need that energy. Yeah. Even if you're by yourself, like there's still people working with me. I have an, I have a, a discord channel and we have people on the channel and you oh, Mike, Mike, right now my project's totally open source. And so my goal is to try to get more people using it. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. And have you, have you received any feedback uh, from it that has been uh, encouraging? You know, I have, I got a new guy who's been working with me, Chris. He's fantastic. Um, you know, uh, we've got a few people, it's been, it kind of goes, people get interested and they kind of go away, but we've got a few people now and we've got almost a hundred thousand downloads. Oh, wow. That's pretty good. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not like, like 500 people though, no, but it's, it's difficult to get people to engage. Right. It, it actually is quite hard. I'm, I'm probably more extroverted than most researchers. You really are extroverted, and you but you have the power of the introverted mind, and I'm fascinated by you, Chuck, and how how you think. Because even when we just were talking about gymnastics, the way that you thought about gymnastics to me was was amazing. And you, I was remembering you, gymnastics when I was with you, stuff I did in my childhood. Go ahead, I interrupt you. No, Go but no, no. I'm, I'm just saying that you were you helped me understand gymnastics in a different way when we were working together, and it was just very inspiring. And to hear how the way that you think about gymnastics, you think about uh, the work that you do outside of gymnastics and, and fitness in your professional career uh, as a scientist is is cool. And it has to do with learning. And this this idea of deep learning is is something that I, I really care about. Um, and, and I kind of wanted to, uh, before I go into deep learning, I, I'm curious, uh, just for people listening, they probably hear this idea, this, this concept of artificial intelligence or AI, and then they hear maybe something, uh, along the lines of it, which is machine learning. What's the difference between the two? 
Ah, so machine learning is is a type of statistics on computers. Mm -hmm. So it's a different subfield. It's It was sort of about 10 years ago. It was like hot stuff. Maybe 15 years ago. Um, and then when I was doing machine learning, I was like one of the few people doing it. Um, now, you know, everyone, his brother is doing it. It's um, so it's, it's really sort of an old school statistical modeling. And really, it's useful for doing things like modeling um, spreadsheets. Is if it? you have a spreadsheet and you have some data and you want to predict something, then machine learning is the way to go. Right. Deep learning and AI is more about things that the mind can do. Is so it? textual, you know, analyzing text. Talking, you know, interacting, doing chatbots and, you know, reading documents and analyzing them. Generating images, right? Computer vision, whether you're trying to detect, is that a cat or a dog? Or you're trying to make a self-driving car. Reinforcement learning, playing games, video games, chess, go. Those are things that really the humans are good at. What are humans not particularly good at? Well, looking at a giant spreadsheet and trying to make a predictor algorithm. That's okay. totally statistics. So machine learning is much more sort of statistics on computers and using very advanced techniques. And AI is much more more like trying to emulate how um, natural things, mm -hmm. text, vision, sound, composing music, you know, things like that. Yeah, yeah, fascinating. And um, to kind of go back in, in time a little bit, I remember we met once and uh, you, you mentioned a website that I don't know, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention, but you, you mentioned a website that you were consulting for. Uh, I'm just going to say it, Live Strong, I believe it was. Oh, yeah, those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was a while ago. Yeah, that was a we while were, ago. We were big news at one point. You live strong. Those guys, him and Lance Armstrong and his. Anyways, but yeah. that 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 was an interesting time because something that you were doing was, I guess, you were consulting on the machine <laughs> learning side of things uh, to make yes. them as searchable as possible, right? So yes. So what what we did there, there was part of a uh, at that point there was a company called eHow, and eHow was it was actually uh, actually the website it was called Demand Media, and at that time Demand Media was the first billion dollar IPO since Google. Wow. Yes, I remember trying to get this this project off the ground. You might have remember I was talking to you back then about. I had this idea that I could use AI to create titles of web pages. That's what I remember. And those titles could then be, you could, you could not, the AI would not only create the title of the page, but it would figure out how much traffic the title would get if you SEO'd it. And so what we were, and that, that was, you know, so I was sort of, I'm glad you remember that. I was predicting this idea that you could use AI to generate text. That was, you know, 2010, 2012, you know, maybe 2012. So, and so what we did at eHow was that we essentially, and I say it in a layman's way, I don't want to make the legal term of reverse engineered Google PageRank. Mm -hmm. So we were, we were producing 200,000 pieces of content today, eHow, Livestrong, variety of other properties at Demand Media. And I had developed an algorithm which you could predict how much traffic you would get to the website before you wrote it. That's incredible. Now back... So, and we became the first billion dollar IPO since Google. And then Google turned us off. <laughs> and so the stock went like this. And then it went like this. <laughs> Unbelievable. And that was just, wow. And I, yeah, I used to go down to, tell you what it was like. We used to go down, I used to go down to Santa Monica all the time because we were in Santa Monica. And we'd hang out in the, me and the CTO would hang out like some hotel on Ocean Boulevard. 
and they were always like these hotel parties and all the like the the athletes and the movie stars would come to the hotel party and we'd be upstairs on our computers hacking like you guys got to get out of here you know we're, we're guests at the hotel yeah but you can't be here on your computers hacking with the movie stars here you know you're so they you know that's what we were doing but it was it was like a big ride we went up we went down um but we were doing that i mean we were probably one of the first machine learning ipos i mean that was 2010 2011 yes, it, it, it was probably 2011 yeah yeah i think yeah. so that makes sense because I remember and, us us talking about this back then. Yeah, and I tried to do it. Yeah, of course, you know that was that was. Um, Did you leave with any cash? <laughs> I, I, you know, I only took cash, and the reason was, you know, I know, you know, I, I know some of the guys at, at at Google. So someone had told me, hey, you know, uh, we're gonna turn these. We got a guy at Google, whose whole job it is, to figure out how to turn you guys what you guys are doing, like what I'm doing, and I'm like. Well, that's interesting. You know, I got like, oh, you know, and of course I, I mentioned this, you know, to the executive team. Oh no, Google's not going to turn us off. I'm like, I'll take cash. Thank you. So I took all cash uh, in that deal. And of course they were too happy with me because, you know, none of the executives got their earn out. You know, it went, I mean, the CEO of course did very, very well, but everyone else was sort of, at that point I was probably making more than they were. Um, you know, the whole thing collapsed. I'm like, yeah, they, they turned you off. You know, that that's just, it's very much a type of platform risk. You know, if you, if you're only using one platform and the platform decides they don't want you there, you know, you're out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that was the first, I always thought that should have been an antitrust case because mm. they, they because I knew that they had specifically targeted us. Of course. Um, and I knew I that. I mean, that was obvious. I, yeah. It, well, I, I was told directly by someone um, who had left, who was involved in it in the process. Uh, but you know, I you know, I, I probably should have shorted the stock, but you know, that would have you know, that would have been uh, illegal. <laughs> That's illegal, my friend. Uh, well, I'm glad that you took the cash and and you, you learned something from it. And uh, I believe I don't know if I I'm making this up, but I believe uh, YouTube is doing something similar now, where you can uh, upload a video and before it goes public, it will predict uh, how well it's going to do. I wrote the first YouTube predictor. They licensed it from Demand Media. Really? Uh, it was like a $50 million licensing deal for them. Um, yeah, they, 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 you know, you can predict now, you know, they have all the data. If you have the data, you know, you can look at that. They, they sort of know the title and you sort of, know, I mean, if you know the title and you know the audience, they can guess, you know, basically how much traffic you're going to get. I mean, because they, they know how much, how much things are worth because they have all the data. Mm -hmm. the, the magic of demand media was that, we were collecting all of this data. And back then, Google, when you entered a search, Google would tell you what search came to your website. So you knew, oh, I was searching for, you know, how to do a backflip. And it now they, and it would see, oh, then you knew who was coming to you. And so mm -hmm. I was able to take all of that inbound search traffic and reverse engineer and figure out if I were to write a web page about, you know, how to do a muscle up. I could figure out, I could estimate how much traffic it would get. Well, mm. they turned all that data off because they realized you could do that. Amazing. So, you know, a large part of AI is, you know, what data can you get access to? Um, and th that's a huge issue, you know, being, you know, having access to the highest quality data and people who can review it and interact with it. That's, you know, that's like gold. Right, because now OpenAI, uh, as I understand it, doesn't have access to the internet per se, so it can't go to websites. 
uh, but it does have a database uh, that's been pulled up until 2021, I believe, that's been inserted well, there somehow. Well, they have the, the common crawl. So the okay, common so, crawl yeah, would talk be to us open about that. Right, but what they don't have are, like, they wouldn't have traffic numbers. <laughs> like, they don't know how popular one web page is versus another. That would be, I mean, you could estimate that from, like, you know, Wikipedia traffic. That, that, a lot of that, but I, I think more is they don't have, um, you know, it's hard to say because you can buy data from people, right? Mm -hmm. People will sell it to you. Now, as a demand media, we bought data. We, they would drop $500,000 on a piece of data. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think more with open AI is just, they've, um, they're willing, what they, what they've done is they've been willing to take a chance. Mm -hmm. They put out a product that I can tell you a hundred percent. Because I know, you know, at, at Google, Meta, I mean, I know people at Meta and at Google who have said this. Look, we had this product internally, but the company didn't want to release it. And I think that's typical of any large organization. You know, organizations can invent things, but they don't innovate. Uh -huh. They don't necessarily take those inventions and bring them to market. And, right. you know, for a variety of reasons, usually it's political. You know, one person in the company doesn't want to lose their status by letting somebody else be successful. So they hold it down. Or they have some excuse. Oh, we're afraid of this. But, you know, they, they don't want to hurt their brand. You know, Google doesn't want to damage their ad business by releasing a product which would compete with it. OpenAI, that's what they do. Of course. Mm -hmm. You know, make, make and, sense. And I, and I think that's so it's like it's sort of they would say everybody had. A lot of the big companies probably, you know, Amazon, Meta, Google, they had these, they had something similar internal, but OpenAI had the guts to actually turn it into a product you could give to people. So now, kind of to your project, how did you get 100,000 people to uh, use this tool? I, I just talk a lot, you know, and people, <laughs> you know, well, it's got a good name, right? Weight Watchers got a good name. Mm -hmm. And I've done a lot of podcasts, and I, I we published in a very famous scientific journal, you know, Nature Communications, which is yeah, very prestigious. Huge. Yeah, and I did my spare time with no funding, so that's not bad. I had an intern work with me, Serena. She was fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, the project was not funded, so we did it. And um, that got a lot of publicity, and I've just been... Uh, and, of course, the thing works. You know, it does something useful. So mm -hmm. people want to try it out. And, you know, the, the Internet is... Um, you know, you have people all, I mean, there's so many people in the world doing AI. Um, 100,000 is not bad. You yeah, know, it's not, it's not bad at all. It. Yeah, exactly. And and what have you learned from 100,000 people using this tool? It's hard to get feedback. Mm. Tell people, me, tell me, tell me. People, not everyone wants to engage. That is I true. I think a lot of it is, even like some of our top users say, well, I use the tool. We love the tool. But because I'm in a company, I can't tell you what I'm doing. Wow. So it's a lot of that. Um, we know, for example, for a fact that, that I know for a fact that Amazon has an internal version of it uh, because it's through the Amazon Scholar program. They were working with UC Berkeley. But again, same thing. I work at Amazon. I can't tell you what I'm doing with it. So we know you're, we know you're doing something with it, but you can't tell. Okay, that's fine. Um, and, and that's sort of the, the hitch, I think, has been the hard part is getting people to really engage in an open way. And I, I think also a lot of people, you know, they just, they may be nervous because they're a little, you know, they're kind of, they're new to the tool and they don't really want to expose. They don't know what's going on. Uh -huh. You know, it's kind of like when you go to your first CrossFit meet and, you know, 
you just get smoked and you're like, and you got to kind of be willing to go out there and just do a terrible job. Uh, cause you're not going to learn anything if you don't, you've got to be willing to, and a lot of people I think are just nervous to, to take that step forward and really engage. So that some of sense. it I think is that, um, we have got some good feedback from people, you know, using it, trying to understand what, you know, like, like they had trouble running it in production. So we, I cleaned it up so it's easier to run. It wasn't fast enough. So we've increased the speed by like 20 X now. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm interested, uh, one, uh, because you know, I, I share certain things and I, I create certain tools. They're very yeah, rudimentary when they come to like self-development or in the past it's been gymnastics and, and whatnot. And uh, you're totally right. One of the things that's been the hardest is getting feedback. And a lot of times it's because people don't want to share the secrets that they're learning from using your product. Yeah. Like it's I, fascinating. And, and I, people complain, oh, the product doesn't do this. And then I'm like, I'm not even charging you for it. You know, if you don't tell me what's going on, I can't fix it. Uh -huh. You know, like, like, you know, and I think a lot of people just want to try it and then they, you know, they sort of go, I'm trying to re like to get the friction down so it's easier for people to use it, but I also need to get repeat users. So I need to figure out like they may try it and then go away. Mm -hmm. You know, I, it's sort of like, I think the same in fitness, you know, they always, you know, people will stay in any program three months. Right. And that's it. You know, getting them to go more than three months is very hard. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Or people yeah. show up for a day. They want to know what, you know, they'll try it out, but they're not really sure. So I'm trying to get it more where they can understand better how it works um, and make it useful. But mm -hmm. I think the other problem is that, again, people, they don't, it, it's, this AI stuff is quite, I mean, this is sort of a specialist activity. You know, it's hard to train your own models and it's, it's not, um, a, a lot of it is very much, um, you know, it's being done in big companies where there are a lot of silos so people have difficult talking, but you know, there's, it's, it's opening up more and more, more people are trying to do this. So we're seeing more engagement. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense to me. Now, uh, for a person like myself, I'm a coach and I'm somebody who works directly with people and I'm starting to utilize AI tools every day, uh, which uh, I can see now that this is a thing. And it's, is I guess having a super assistant, like you said earlier, uh, what would you suggest from your perspective? What would you advise people like myself do when it comes to learning about AI, working with AI, implementing it? Yeah, what would your take be? You know, these are very new tools. And, you know, the, the two things, you have to experiment with it to see what it can do. And you've got to find other people who are doing similar things so you can trade information. And I think, so I, I don't think there's anyone who, I don't think there's any company that say, here's what this tool can do for you. Go and do this. Like, like the prompt engineering, mm -hmm. that's not at all obvious to people that what prompt engineering means, you talk to the AI, it does something and you, then you give it feedback and it can learn from your feedback in real time in context. That's not obvious that that would work. Right. So, you know, you, there are a lot of people trying to explain how it works, but I think it's. You know, there are a lot of good podcasts and, you know, a lot of self-learning YouTube trying to find those channels. Um, yeah, I think, I, I think, we're, I think, we're, yeah, you're, you're totally right. I think about uh, messing around with it, trying things, uh, seeing what you find, and then sharing that information. I think that is key. Uh, right now, uh, the majority of the popular content around AI is, this is how I made $300,000 yeah, a yes, month. Yes, it, it, yes, you know. There's a joke on on Twitter, you know, every AI influencer. I'm kind of like an AI influencer on LinkedIn. 
every AI influencer now is trying to sell. Here are 300 uh, prompt engineering tricks. They'll be free for the next week, right? Yeah. No, no. You've, you've got to find communities of people who are doing this and, and people who are willing to engage. And mm-hmm. that's why I see, you know, finding those people in those groups is hard. You know, the Bay Area is one of the few places where this is just, there's this sort of this open community. You mm-hmm. know, there's there was an AI meetup this week um, by one of the big AI companies. I think like 1,500 people showed up. That's a lot, lot of people, you know? That's a lot of people, yeah. That's a lot of people. Um, maybe we should put together like a, a general, like make a podcast where we're like, here are people, here are things you can do with it. How did you do that? Because mm-hmm. it, it's, you know, I, I've even had clients reach out. You know, not only can you use ChatGPT, you can build AI products using the, um, use an open AI's um, training facility. Right. So I've, I've had some clients come to me. They wanted to build like a tool that would help people, like a tool to help women write, like a women's engagement, to help them write blogs mm-hmm. and, and how you would train your own model to help them do it using what's called DaVinci. Uh, so there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on as well. Sort of, you know, it's kind of like it. it's sort of now, I think, where the Internet was in like 1995. Mm-hmm. You know, it's totally new. And there's just all sorts. It's just the possibilities are very, very broad. Yeah, I, I think that the fact that you're trying to do the prompt engineering is very interesting because, you know, mm-hmm. uh, um, yeah, you, you know, you got to find people trying to just really explore where how far can you push this thing? Yeah. Yeah, one of the things that I've been doing is I've just been uh, inputting a lot of data, and uh, one of the things that I've been most excited about is asking it to create tables, to create comparisons of different things, and then just taking that data and putting it into an Excel sheet and just getting a graph to be able to like visualize, have some kind of like visualization, because right now I guess ChatGPT+, Plus, which is not for... Um, can't give can't really give you images, and if it gives you an image, it's... Uh, it, for some reason, yeah. I, I just can't can't see it. But not great, uh, yeah. yeah. So it's been very interesting to see what it's capable of. I mean, I, something that I started doing was I, I started taking my my bank statements and I started just uh, cleaning them up in a way where uh, it would just be clean numbers and text, and I would uh, run it through uh, ChatGPT, ask it to just give me a table, and then break it down into different categories, and then do the bookkeeping to see if I could automate this in some kind of way, just to. Uh, just Get rid to, of your account, yeah. Well, yeah, just to double check because, you know, you have QuickBooks, then you may do some things manually, and then you want something to be a little bit more automated. <laughs> so I've been just messing around, how can I do this? And then I'm trying to translate this also into how I'm kind of uh, communicating with people in terms of how can I give them uh, a distilled version of that which I'm currently teaching that uh, can produce individualized results for them. Uh, so just... Trying to figure out how do you create individualized prescriptions from a general template using AI. I'm just messing around with these things. I, I don't think people know. Like, like I, I said, these, these things just emerged. Like these properties have emerged and then all of a sudden people, you know, you look at like inside Meta or Google, like, oh, we don't want to give people this because it's going to make us look bad only for their business. Open AI is like, look, here's this amazing technology we have. Go figure out what you can do with it. You know, I don't think anybody really knows. And I, I, you know, I've seen research talks where people are trying to teach ChatGPT how to do basic math. How do you teach it to do math? How do you, and, and, and a lot of people are just exploring it and discovering what it can do. They don't really know. Like, it's all new. This is all open territory. And I think just trying to find other people who are doing similar things 
and just talking to them. Did you try this? You tried that. Look what it can do. Look, we did this. Like people have discovered, you know, in context learning, prompt engineering. That was not a thing a year ago. I mean, you could, I mean, a year ago, you could do it with DaVinci using OpenAI, OpenAI's API, but that's very technical, nerdy stuff, the kind of stuff I would do with a client. Now it's totally open. And I think that it's going to just be more people, hey, look what I did, try this. You know, it's it's like a whole new software engineering language. And, it, and the other thing is, so, you know, where does it make mistakes? How do you keep it from making mistakes? How do you teach it not to make mistakes? Which mm -hmm. is very hard. But, yeah, that's that's very hard. And sometimes that requires the prompt to include and refer back to something that you said in the beginning that maybe it now has kind of deviated from. It, it's what, like it forgets after a few lines. Y yes, well, what, yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, you, you, it, the more you interact with it, you, have, you begin to learn. It's like you're working with, you know, someone who's kind of smart but either lies to you or doesn't know what's going on. I used to have a gymnastics coach. My first coach, He, believe it or not, he was... Um, he was first recon division in Nam, and then he was in the CIA. Um, and he would just lie to you and tell the truth. It's like he would—he was the kind of guy you could talk to him. He would just make stuff up as part of conversation. Wow! And he could just talk to you. And he said, "Yeah, you got to—you know—it's like you know, lying is a is a skill you have to practice." So you know, he's he's passed away now. I thought that some of the crazy stuff he would do. He was he was over like in the Middle East, like teaching people gymnastics while he was spying on them for the CIA. Unbelievable. And, you know, you know, like setting up Olympic programs and spying on the on the Saudis and things like this. And, and you know, it's, but, you know, he would just be like that. He could tell you, like, like wait a minute, you're making that up. You know, we ever talk with certain people who just make stuff up as they're going, you know, and it sounds good. That's what ChatGPT does. It's mm. <laughs> um, fascinating. And and the other thing is that, like, the guy who runs AI at Meta, um, Yan Li Kun, has said, this stuff can never work because... Over time, it makes it has a probability of making a mistake, and the more and more you interact with it, the more likely it's going to make a mistake. But of course, the point is that you're interacting with it. Mm -hmm. So the more you interact with it during with the prompts, the more likely you're going to be able to keep it from making a mistake. But you mm -hmm. have to kind of go back and and figure out, oh, what did it not remember? What did it not understand? It's not at all obvious. No, and it I, doesn't. It doesn't seem obvious, and it's uh, way above my pay grade. I'm curious. Well, that, I, <laughs> yeah, go, it, go, go. You're, you're, in, you. That's the thing. It's not. It, it's you're in the same boat as everybody else. It's like this thing. It's like an alien came to Earth. You're like you're talking to it. Like what is this thing talking? It, it. You're just trying to communicate with it, and you're trying to figure out why did, why did it do that? Innocent. Oh, you've discovered if you interact with it, you can get it to learn. Right. Right. Yeah. So this is this is maybe the invasion of the aliens. This it's it's AI, not the UAPs that we're shooting down. Yeah, those are those freak me out. You know, every time I see them, I'm just like, really? They're UAPs, really? How well, is that not the biggest story? Yeah. Uh, you know, since since the resurrection, you know, I I don't know. You know, <laughs> I think people are just so like, ah, they don't believe it, right? Yeah. yeah whatever. You know, I think there are people like, ah, you know, they don't believe it. They're like, well, of course they're aliens. Uh -huh. Yeah, of course. Yeah, well, we've done that a lot. It's it's incredible. Not news. Uh, uh, right. Um, it, kind of shifting gears a little bit. I'm curious when people reach out to you uh, for consulting, kind of like uh, uh, talk to Chuck. Uh, what what uh, are they asking you for? Well, you know, I used to do a lot. Uh, it's kind of changed over the years. So 
I would say about 10 years ago, I was doing more like a founder would come to me and I would work with them to develop a machine learning product for the company. So I'd work with them and I'd work with the founder and maybe I would bring some staff in, maybe not. And we would try to develop a product. And then it started being more, can you act as a mentor? So like, I we want to bring you on 10 hours a week for consulting and we're going to have you work with one of our staff. We're going to have them cut. You try to teach them AI. Uh, and we're going to try to mentor you as an executive position. And so it sort of changed from managing large whole projects to being more, we want to, we want to do it internally and we want you to sort of help us understand what to do. Uh -huh. uh, so I've had a, a broad range of projects. I've had a, I've had some clients come to me who are in the finance industry and say, look, we want to raise capital for a new fund. Can uh -huh. you help us develop a product that we can go out and raise institutional capital? Okay. I, I've I've had cases where I just go in like I'm an engineer working on a team trying to fix a search engine. I spent like a year. I spent almost two years trying to help Walmart. Um, I think I went almost crazy, you know, trying to help these guys. Just like 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 you know during the pandemic, you know, just trying to help a big company like that is just, you know, I the analogy I give is you know as a coach, imagine you uh. You have, Alex didn't like this analogy, but the analogy, imagine you have someone who's like really, really obese and they keep telling you they, they want to lose weight and you show them what to do and they keep telling you you're doing it. And then you come home, you, you go in their gym bag and they got like a box of donuts in the bag. Like what's going on here? You know, like every, every, every month. Yeah. It's just, it's just every, it just, it, things break all the time. Like it's like, it's just, it, that's what it's like. You know, like you try to help them, you just can't help them and you're trying to. It's yeah, like that must, just, be, that must be pretty frustrating. Well, you know, it's it's uh, large organizations are um, dysfunctional in a way because they're organizations. It's not the individual people. It's because people over a period of, you know, it's just organizations are just, they're so disjointed. And, and so I get a lot of that. I've worked a lot with founders um, who just want to, you know, sort of develop a product. Um a lot of it more recently has been more of this sort of, you know, can you show us how to, how this AI stuff works mm -hmm. and just help us do like strategy consulting. Like right. we want it, to, it's getting more challenging because it used to be like, you could just build a bread and butter product. So mm -hmm. I want to build like one product I built was we want to classify all the world's in, all the ingredients and in all the world's recipes. Okay. So like 10 years ago, that was a fairly hard problem. Today mm -hmm. you would ask ChatGP to do it. You know, you just go, here's the recipe, one of the ingredients, right? Um, now it's more like someone came to me and said, you know, we want to, we want to do a project where we want to know if, if we, we have, like there was a company that, that makes, um, hearing aids okay, and they make them by hand and they wanted to know if you could make a three and they have to have a, 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 a mold of the ear okay. and they wanted to know, is there a way to take a picture of the ear and make a 3d printed mold like that's a really hard project because you don't know if it's doable mm. and, and i think people are more interested in, they're trying to figure out now how to what makes it hard on these projects is a lot of it is i i want to do something that nobody else has ever done before mm -hmm. how do you scope that so you have to you know you have to and it, it takes more than a day like that in itself could be a three-month project just figuring out can you really scope something like that and get it to a point where you think it's doable? Right, um, right. So there's a lot of that, I think, with AI now, and people are just very, um, they they sort of know they have to do things, 
and they're not quite sure even where to begin. Right. And and the challenge is that nobody knows where to begin. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you start like that? Yeah. So it, it's, it's it's very interesting. Very interesting. I, um, a few years ago, when I was um, uh, kind of helping Strike Movement uh, develop uh, certain sides of their their business, um, there was a company that came to us that said that they wanted to uh, implement a, a tool that allowed people to take pictures of their feet, and then it would give them the right sizing. Same product. Same product. Yeah. So, so, uh, yeah, and that was a very hard problem to solve. I don't think they managed to uh, solve it, but it, the idea was good. You know, it, it's very broad. Like you get a lot of broad, different things. Sometimes I just take like a, van- I'll take like a vanilla, you know, go work in the eBay type company and try to do something for a couple of years just to, to help them, you know, like like bread and butter kind of stuff. And some of it is much more creative. We had one who wanted to do something similar. They were sneakers. I guess people collect sneakers. Mm-hmm. And the company wanted to build an AI system that could actually price the sneaker. Like you would take a picture of the sneaker and then okay. you'd try to see whether it had any marks or anything on it so you could price it. And Apparently that's a billion dollar industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's sneaker heads all over the place. And they... Sneaker heads, yeah, that was yeah. a sneaker head. Right, it... I'm like, I have, to, I have to reach out. There were some guys in LA actually. They're, um, uh, you know, I have like funny, like uh, some of the guys who manage the talent in LA. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, Things like that, and they have like that was an interesting project. It, it, you know, but the problem with a lot of this stuff is that, you know, if you build a website, you know what you're doing, right? I want to build a website. I want a box here, a picture there. It does the, you know, you can kind of lay it out. It's kind of like it's a fixed asset. Yeah, it's and you can figure out how it's like going the Jiffy Loop. Mm-hmm. You know, now you're saying to me, I want to do something that's never been done before, and it has and it's very creative. Well, that's that's. That's really hard, you know. <laughs> that's that's not like building a website for you, you know. You know, so some of the stuff like like with Walmart, I tried to do a project where I had built the exact same product for eBay 15 years ago. Wow. And I'll try to build it for you and I'll show you how to build it. You know, like that's like, you know, we've done it before. We should be able to do it now. Not so easy because you're in a different environment, different people, different culture, different data systems. But the stuff that now we're getting to the point with the AI where people want to be creative, mm-hmm. like you're saying, how do you do prompt engineering? You know, right. it's, a, it's a much more of a creative thing. And you have to work with people who have to be, they have to be willing to understand that it's a creative process and that you're going to, it's going to take time to do it. Um, and I almost feel like, like what I'd like to be is kind of like one of these producers, like who help the musicians make music, where the musician comes in and kind of knows how to create, and I'm just kind of how to help you produce the album. Mm-hmm. And you're coming to me with some of the creative capacity. And I'm trying to put it together right. with some knowledge of AI. But you know, obviously, it's very, very technical. But I think that would that's kind of where things are going. It's it's becoming much more creative, and people are very much concerned. Like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Like, what do we do with our business? You know, they know things are going to change, and they just you know, how do I scope out what the future is going to be? Mm-hmm. And I think you're doing the right thing. You just, I always advise people, build things. If you want to know how to do something, build a prototype. Mm-hmm. See if you can do it. Um, and I'll try to help you. Right. And maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. Right. Um, <laughs> and that, that's the risk you're, you should be willing to take, but no, at least you no, learn something. Yeah, no, that's right. And you have to have those kind of clients. Otherwise, you, you'll get into a position where you build something, it doesn't work, or well, we're not going to pay you. Well, that's a problem. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know what you know what you're bringing up right now, Chuck, that I, I, I have known but I, I haven't been able to name until this moment. 
is that um, as an engineer and a technician, uh, you're actually rooted in creativity first. With a lot of what I do, yeah, yeah, because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a scientist, right? A lot, of, a lot of engineering is, I've done something before and I'm going to do it again, mm -hmm. and we're going to use the same techniques and we're going to do the same thing over and over and over, right? And the reason that works is because you know you can control the cost, you can estimate how long things are going to take, you can bring in staff that have specific key technical skills. Doing something creative is much harder, um, because there's a lot of there's a lot of risk involved. Um, is it going to hit or not? You know, if you write a, you know, and, and and I think a lot of companies, you know, large companies have the capital to be creative, but they don't have the, they, they like I say, they can invent, but they can't innovate. You know, they can create something new, but you can't bring it to market. You can't get people to use it. It's much, much harder. Um, so this creative process, I mean, that's sort of like how I also got involved in the research. I'm like, you know, I just got to, I'm going to do something creative. I'm going to invent something. I got the invention. Now, how do I make the innovation? How, how do I get it to go from this idea that works to something that people need? And part of that, I think, is technical. And part of that is social. So so uh, innovation, in many ways, uh, has to do with implementation. It, it's implementation, but it's also acceptance. You know, people have to accept that, you know, you're, you know, you, you're implementing something, but you're also, I mean, so, so, sometimes the invention works like you have cases where you you have i mean there's sort of different ideas I mean, there's inventions where they work and there's a promise and then they fail um you know there are things like that where it works there are even cases where it work it's like take nuclear fission it works people accept it it gets deployed and then it all gets shut down because it you know reactors blow up and people get scared uh, or it turns out to be crazy expensive then there are cases with invention where you're just not sure if it's going to work. Nuclear fusion. We keep saying we're going to do it, but no one's. Yeah, uh, it's always twenty years away. Um, every twenty years, it's twenty years. You know, and then exactly so that the time horizon just keeps keeps moving. Um, but, but there's very much a human component as well. You have to be. You have to be. People have to be willing to accept your ideas and be able to work with you. Mm -hmm. That's critical. Otherwise, nobody will nobody will use it. That's what ChatGPT got right. Everybody had the invention. Google had the invention. Meta had the invention. I'm sure Amazon has it internally. But ChatGPT's like, well, we're going to give it to people and they're going to use it. Oh. <laughs> well, we don't want people using this. <laughs> and and, 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 and ChatGPT got a million users within days. Yeah. So now people are using it. Now they can discover all sorts of things that, that nobody understood before. You're going to discover all these things you can do with it nobody ever thought of. Right. And and that I think they got right is they just decided to take a chance and we're just going to let people use it. We're going to we're going to Now the question is will it stay around or will it die? Like will it be like the BlackBerry uh, where yeah. people use the BlackBerry and we don't use Blackberries anymore. Something maybe will something else come in and replace it. But the you BlackBerry know, definitely of... uh, led to Apple being able to say, hey, we're going to uh, get rid of the buttons and we're just going to make <laughs> it internet centric and make the, the interface so beautiful that the user experience is amazing. But that was totally like people, never, no one believed that you could get rid of the keyboard. And here's the thing. I, I have a gold mentor of mine, uh, George White, who worked at a company who actually helped found a company called General Magic. 
which invented the first Newton, the first handheld device. That was a total failure. You know, like one of the, I think there's a, there's a movie about it called General Magic where they tried to make this, this handheld device and it was called the Newton and it predated the iPhone. Um, so no one believed that you could get rid of the keyboard and it worked. And, you know, I think that's sometimes timing is very important, but people have to be willing to accept that you can do it. Obviously the speech recognition has gotten better on the phone, the phone, you know, but it's, there's some, there's some timing involved as well. Uh, but there's a lot of acceptance. People have to believe it and you got to take risks. I, I think with AI now, it's just I, what you're doing is exactly what people are doing. Like, like you're, how do we get this thing to actually, and with, with thinking about me, because you're a coach, you're used to interacting with people and teaching them and trying to figure out how do I get you to do this? Even when you don't know how to get yourself to do it, isn't mm -hmm. right? Well, yeah, yeah. Right now, the thing that it's given me, it's 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 bought me time because it's made me, I want to say, seventy percent more efficient in certain areas. So that's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. That's a, people think that's going to happen across the board. It's incredible. But I think it's only going to happen with in industries where people you have this unique ability to interact with people and try to understand how to get them to do something that they themselves can't make themselves do, you know? And that's what, that's a lot of my gymnastics is like that. How do I, how do I get myself to do something? I just can't do it. Why can't I do it? I don't know why I can't do it. Well, that's chat GPT. You want it to do something. It, it itself doesn't know how to do it. And you're trying to figure it out. I think that's where, that's exactly where everybody is with this technology right now. Like, and, and within a year or two, it's going to be everywhere. And then you're going to have whole, I mean, they're now all researchers like, how do I teach you to do this? How do I teach you to do that? People are just trying to understand what it does. And, you know, the next generation, there'll be GTP5. And it will be much smarter. Um, and, and I think the future of work is going to change. Because instead of, you're going to have, like, people are going to now, you're going to have entire industries of people in, in, who basically are trying to teach AI what to do. How do you... I want to set up a law firm and I want, I want to have chat GPT review contracts. Like you said, well, you're going to have, you know, a hundred lawyers interacting with it and it's going to be interacting with questions and eventually it will be like a super lawyer. This, this is actually what I was doing at BlackRock. Um, 2010, I think I was trying to, you would enter, I would have this, this simple AI, very primitive compared to ChatGPT you know, some simple thing I built, but I would interact with the portfolio manager. I'd ask him, I want you to read this SEC filing and give me a judgment on it. And then I'll build an AI, which tries to reproduce your judgment so we could trade on it. Amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was a great time. Also, there was a CrossFit gym right next door. So I was, uh, yeah, you were, the, uh, you were the there. shape of my life back then, you know? That's amazing. Well, uh, Chuck, I know we're coming to an end here of our, and you have a hard out because you do have to go uh, get a little adjustment. I'm listening to your advice, right? Uh, everyone needs to be able to do maintenance on themselves. I think that was Kelly Starrett who said that. Is that Kelly Starrett? I thought I'll, it was I'll, you. I'll, I'll I'm, I'm attributing it. it to you. Uh, thank you. Uh, no, I do. I do believe in that too. So uh, I, I do believe that you should go. Um, I have so many more questions. I have questions about AI, blockchain, AI applied to blockchain. What is that potentially going to be? I'm curious about nuclear power. What's the deal there? I don't know how much you can talk about it. I feel like we have to do a part two if you ever want to do that. I'm, I'm always, I'm happy to. I, I'm sorry I have to leave early because I, you know, I, uh, um, 
I, you know, I, I was trying, I tried to change my technique in weightlifting the other day and I tweaked my back. I go, okay, I, I can't, I can't learn anything new. You know, I'm trying, you know, I'm just going to stick with what I got. Um, uh, but other than that, um, I'm happy to do it again. No, this is really interesting. I'd love to see what you're doing with prompt engineering. I, I mean, I think that's a, again, that, that, that's, that's a whole new way of thinking about how to interact with machines. People, it, I mean, it's, 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 it's coaching. It, it really is that, coaching. Yeah. I'm just trying to coach it on things that, uh, I need right now to support my business so I can do more coaching. That that's what I want. I just want more to do more. You coaching. might end up being, you know, the prompt engineer coach who knows. Maybe you coach other people how to do prompt engineering. There you go. Uh, you know so, that. I mean, I've, <laughs> nobody knows about that. It's, I've been trying to convince know? my girlfriend to use. I'm not going to use ChatGPT. You should use it for work. No, no, no. I don't want it to replace me. Like, well, I use it I, every day, and I'm going to continue to use it. That's and, amazing, right? You use it every yeah. day. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah every I, day. I, imagine, imagine what Google is thinking. You know, we used to use Google every day. Now you're using this. You know, the the fear that must be going through that organization, like. We missed it. We like we and now they're gonna try it and now the now but hopefully, you know, with competition, these things are gonna get much, much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the things that I do and, and this is the last thing and then I'll let you go, but uh sometimes I say, Okay, I, I am gonna talk about this this thing um on a talk. Uh give me twenty books that talk about it and then pull out twenty points from each book and then any any point that feels like there's overlap. Uh, give me something that uh, is going to allow me to get contrast. So give me speaking points. And it just... And it does it. It does it. I've been using it like I took some old theoretical physics paper, some esoteric thing and like, you know, and I want you to explain this old physics paper to me. And then I talk to it to see, do I actually understand what I'm talking about? Like, like, is it BSing me or am I, is it correct? I was trying to say we're going to replica theory. I'm like, is this... Are you telling, and I inter, and after a while of interact, because it will BS you and you have to figure out, do I really understand it or is it, or am I, or am I letting it BS me? And, and after a while you're like, oh, I actually understand this. Like, and I came away understanding this topic 10 times better than when I did it in grad school. I was like, yeah, it's incredible. No, this is definitely, this is, the future is here. And, and the fact that you're using it every day is, I mean, every day. that's amazing. I mean, yep. Every it's day. only been out like what a couple months. Yeah, I mean, I started playing with it in December, um, and over Christmas and the holidays, yeah. I was just messing around with it, and then I never. Yeah, I got to get you and Patrick together. You'll, you'll, it, it, he, he would stay up all night doing it. That's amazing. All right, you know, Chuck. I was up all night doing Chad GPT. Well, you, you shouldn't lift it if you're up all night. But, you that's know. right. Hey, that's it's right. great to catch up. I, I, I hope great. this was helpful to you. Yeah, it was really helpful. And uh, when I stopped the recording here. Uh, don't leave me. So I'm just gonna say bye to okay. you right now. Stop recording. Thank you, Chuck. I appreciate you. We'll do more. And then stay on the line. All right. This is the Freestyle Way.